go over there and shake hands, smile, hug their neck. Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side. Welcome in to Hour 3, the Power Hour, on Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. Now, Red Solo Cup is the best receptacle for barbecues, tailgates, fairs, festivals and you sir do not have a pair of testicles if you prefer drinking from glass a red solo cup is cheap and disposable in 14 years they are decomposable and unlike my home they are not foreclosable freddie mac kiss my ass Woo! red solo cup i fill you up let's have a party <laughs> Let's have a party. Celebrating the uh, music of uh, Toby Keith, who uh, passed away last night. Two-year battle with uh, stomach cancer. Had the pleasure of interviewing him uh, many years ago, back when I was a uh, country DJ. Very nice guy. That was right before uh, Should Have Been a Cowboy hit. He will be missed. I love artists that don't take themselves too seriously. He definitely was one of those. Join us now on the program. We take him very seriously. He is the Radford Hall of Famer. He's our NFL correspondent, David Smith. David, good morning. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Rick. Good morning to you. Don't take me too seriously, man. It's just sports, bro. It's just sports, right? Hey, listen, and nobody's going to get hurt in making of this 20-minute program. But listen, uh, to your point, prayers for the Toby Keith family. Another great icon lost well, well too soon. And I heard you and Jermaine and uh, oh, others talking about the uh, – Carl Weather, oh. and if you're and if you're of a certain age, you just absolutely know he was a fixture in our childhood in a lot of ways. I mean, Apollo Creed was the ultimate and perfect casting for a role, right? I mean, can oh. you even think of no. anybody no. that could have done that any better than he did? It? No. It's just impossible. No. I mean, he had the swag of, and of course, that movie for those of us that are of a certain age, again, me and you, that was a, <laughs> the, the original movie was in '76. So at that time, I was 13, as I date myself. But that movie was on the heels of Ali being such a fixture and how he did stuff. So he was a he was pivotal in his role in terms of how he typecast himself to play that. So that was outstanding. And so we certainly we certainly appreciate all he's done and prayers for him and his family. And so, but by the way, before I get started, I heard Jermaine 
shout out birthdays and and very similar to him uh pebbles and i's granddaughter's first birthday is friday all right she will be one year old just like jermaine and my mom's birthday will be on saturday so uh we are very blessed to have those birthdays on both sides of the age spectrum very similar to jermaine with a grandchild and a mom birthday as well so there we have something in common as well as we transition into stuff that is uh NFL, we got to always take care of those birthdays, man. So well, there you go. Well, happy birthday ahead of time. Please pass along my best. Um, Done deal, sir. Done all right. deal. All right, let's look, first of all, before we get into the game. Um, the coaching cycle is complete. Um, some were a little surprising. Some kind of made some sense. What stood out to you seeing how the round of coaching hires went here in 2024? Well, first thing is the eight coaches that were hired, of the eight that were hired, uh, there, in my estimation, there were probably two that I saw coming, and the other six I did not know how they would land. And the, the two that we all probably saw coming, based on how things had gone, was Jim Harbaugh was going somewhere. Yes. We, we, yes. we knew he was going somewhere. He ended up with the Chargers, and quite frankly, that was probably the least secretive announcement made the whole time, and everybody seems fine with it, everyone from Michigan to his former players, to the Chargers. That was that plug-and-play deal. He's going to the to the Chargers, and that's great. The other one that probably uh, folks saw was they, they liked Antonio Pierce with the yeah, Raiders. Yeah, yeah. The Raiders, they, they seem to want to be cultural in their hire, folks who understand what that's about. The players were pretty much all in, all in lockstep with wanting that to be the hire. They thought he had brought a lot of energy and swag to it. We all understand how the substitute teacher – it's loved by everyone, and they actually played really good football, really Raider-style football, and I'm such a fan of that particular move, particularly last year when Carolina could have kept Steve Wilkes there. They had all that energy, had him going real well, and felt, no, we need to just change for change's sake. And, of course, Frank Reich, God bless him, wasn't his fault. He got thrown into a bad situation. He didn't last half the season. So I'm, I'm appreciative of that hire. Raheem Morris to the Falcons. Gerard Mayo for the Patriots was a was a contingency plan. It looked like it was set up from Jump Street. You heard people talk about that. Uh, Brian Callahan for the Titans, I had no idea that he was in the mix that way. He was the offensive coordinator from the Bengals, a quarterback coach for Peyton Manning, as I learned mm-hmm. uh, in doing some research for this segment. And so he was really well thought of in terms of what they're doing. So the Titans are going completely, I won't say completely different, but from a Mike Vrabel physical style uh, kind of my way kind of guy with a little bit of flexibility. They've gone completely to an offensive coordinator for the Bengals whose who strength is really in quarterback development. And then the Seahawks hired uh, a hot candidate, Mike McDonald, who is the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, who a lot of people really feel like he's got the pulse on how to get youthful energy in the building. And that's a complete turnaround from the Pete Carroll of the world, who, who while he had tons of energy, they're completely different in the age spectrum, the 36-year-old, Mike McDonald replaces the 72-year-old uh, Pete Carroll exactly half his age. So I don't know if they just want to change for change sake. And then, of course, Dan Quinn, the commanders, God bless them. They felt like it feels like in a lot of ways they had to kind of settle. That they, you know, uh, Ben Johnson didn't want the job. He goes back to Detroit. You know, speculation around did he ask for too much. Now they're coming out and saying, no, I just like being here. Dan Quinn you know, he was with Atlanta. They had that good run, but he did have Kyle Shanahan on that staff. Mm-hmm. I think LaFleur might have been on that staff, too. So, uh, Dan Quinn, I don't have any problem with him coaching defense. That'll be great. But they've got the number two pick, Rick, and we're going to be getting to these picks in the next couple of weeks. And they brought in Cliff Kingsbury. Now, here he comes in here. 
with all of his, whatever you want to call it, expertise at the quarterback spot. Could this be a play to try to get to Caleb Williams there? He's from the DMV area. That's kind of one of those things that could be looked upon as a higher situation. So that kind of buttons up a little bit of the coaching hires that were made. But, Rick, as I segue out of this segment, five names that were not hired this segment. You heard me talk about Ben Johnson. Pete Carroll is over on the sideline. The question will be, will he continue to want to try to come back and coach? Aaron Glenn and Mike Vrabel and, of course, Bill Belichick. All he's ever done is win a million Super Bowls, gotten to a million. You just wonder, we don't know this, but there is a clear shift in youthfulness, energy, modernization around autonomy in the building seems to be the theme if you read the tea leaves and see the hires out here. Youthful in energy and youthful in age in terms of how they're doing things these days in the NFL, at least based on the hires of these eight teams, which was one-fourth of the league turning over their coaches this offseason. Well, and, and I think you nailed it. To me, the one that made the least sense was the commanders. I mean, I, it's nothing personal against Dan Quinn, but you already hired a defensive coach, a defensive lifer before that. Basically, you're hiring the same mindset going in. You're right, you have that second pick. I just it was desperation. It, it was because the guys they wanted. I know they liked Callahan early too. They didn't want to go defensive, but I think they just had to go. Okay, that's what we're going to have to do. So let's bring him in. I think they nailed the GM hire, and then I think they completely, mm-hmm. completely missed here on this coaching hire. But we'll I, see. I actually think they wanted Ben Johnson. I think Ben Johnson was who they had to eye on. Nothing yep. else really yep. makes sense to me. Um, Around, basically, not about Dan Quinn. It's not a no, Dan Quinn no, not at I, all. I, I think it has more to do with when you got the second pick and you know you're going to need quarterback and you know you got to inspire energy. It was important, from in my opinion, that you you get Ben Johnson whatever he needed. If you think he's that guy that can get that quarterback and that offense going and rejuvenate that city, and I think when he backed out, they were stuck without a dance partner because all of the ones they felt could be there were gone. You had Dan Canales had gone to the Panthers. I don't think I mentioned him. He's the offensive coordinator for Tampa. Look at what he did with Baker Mayfield and that team this year. They win the division. Very competitive throughout in the playoffs. And so to me, interestingly enough, when I look at the hires this year in the offseason, one, two, three, four were defensive coordinators, and you got Harbaugh as well. Antonio Pierce was a linebacker coach. Only two, two were offensive coordinators, and that's Callahan and Canales. And so – so for Washington, they, I think they've got to have a plan. They better let Cliff Kingsbury, he better sell the bill of goods to everybody involved to try to get that quarterback spot. And if Washington now doesn't draft Caleb Williams, it'll almost look like a failure in the eyes of some as we go through the offseason in terms of how they're going to upright this thing. Agreed. Agreed with you. David Smith joining us on the program, our NFL correspondent the Radford University Hall of Famer. All right, let's get into it. Super Bowl 58. I could not be less excited about a Super Bowl that I can think of in recent wow. memory. Uh, so wow. what, do you, what do you think? How do you think it's going to play out uh, on Sunday? Well, you know, it's funny, Rick. I see it a little different um, in terms of less excited. The, you've got a one seed versus a three seed. Kansas City, fourth in five years, even before Taylor Swift. They were still getting the Super Bowl, so i got to remind <laughs> the skeptics. I might, be, I might be talking to a skeptic right now. You are. I gotta you remind, are. i got to remind the skeptics that before Taylor Swift showed up, this team was still making things happen. Andy Reid has a whole lot of wins, second all-time in playoff wins with 25 behind only Belichick of 31. Before Taylor Swift, he still was winning games. And so for me, when I think about the Chiefs, 
what's real interesting about them offensively, they were ninth this year in yards per game, second in defensive yards per game allowed only behind the Browns. The weirdest thing about the Chiefs as I look at them, I had no idea they were 28 in the league in turnover differential. You just don't think about them having that bad a turnover differential at a minus 11. Interestingly enough, it wasn't because of Patrick Mahomes per se, even though his interceptions were at 14, which is probably one of his worst seasons. He still threw for 4,100 yards on 67% completion. And then you still have Pacheco, who runs very angry and is super impressive for that team, came in and took over the job from Edwards Hilaire, who was the first-round pick out of LSU years ago, ran for 935 yards. And then you think about uh, the overall defense, again, second in the league. To me, the Chiefs, the concern you have for them is will the receivers arrive in the big moment, interestingly enough, that has been the, the bugaboo with them all year long. But yet at the same time, Travis Kelsey is 16 yards shy of 1,000 yards. He only had five TDs in the regular season. Heck, I think he had that many in the postseason. Of course, they had to win three playoff games to get there. And Rasheed Rice did have 938 yards and seven TDs. So, so that's Kansas City in a nutshell as you see how they are. Now, for those San Francisco 49ers, the team that everyone loved all year long, along with the Eagles, they were probably the teams that were ranked at the top of the hot four or in, inside the hot four most of the season. And for obvious reasons, Rick, after they bludgeoned Dallas earlier this year and then they went into Philly and, and had their had their way, they were second overall in offense at 398 yards only. Miami had more during the regular season. They were eighth in defense, seventh in turnover margin at plus 10. Not many teams have all three of those components be in the top 10 of the NFL. They certainly did. And that old, that old game manager, Brock Purdy, Rick, what are we going to do with that old game manager, man? Gosh, if they only had themselves a quarterback, all he did was throw for the fifth most yards in the NFL at 4,280 yards. Rick, that's not screen passes, bro. That's not, that's not bubble screens. That's not slants. He's throwing the ball down the field. And give him credit for getting the ball to playmakers if they are breaking tackles. And so he was fifth in the league in yards pass they had the leading rusher in the nfl christian mccaffrey and it wasn't close this year 1459 yards rushing 5.4 yards a carry derrick henry was second with 1100 yards i'm not sure if i've seen a disparity like that in a long long time and of course we recognize who their receivers are brandon Ayuk, 1300 yards george kittle a thousand yards boy that old game manager right he's got 2000 yard receivers brendan Ayuk's not running reverses and all and Debo samuel who's a Swiss Army knife of the offense along with McCaffrey, he only had 892 yards. And so you have three receivers get 890 yards or more. And so that sets up how the uh, San Francisco 49ers are. And so, of course, you've got Andy Reid, who, once again, I mentioned has 25 postseason wins going against Mike uh, Kyle Shanahan, I should say. And the interesting part about Kyle Shanahan is you know he knows like we do, Rick. If you get this close again and you don't break through, so you know the pressure is on his guys to want to get there for him. And then Andy Reid, he's just as calm and cool, and he has been there a lot. People forget the Eagles days. He, he had a career before this run with the Chiefs, right? So when you think about it, the coaching matchup, uh, it's going to be one that neither, neither guy is going to blink. They've both been in Super Bowls as coordinators and as a head coach. Of course, this is a replay of a Super Bowl from several years ago. So that's how it kind of stacks up the good versus the good and kind of the hiccup versus the hiccup for both of those teams heading into this weekend. 
All right, and it won't matter in terms of the overall outcome because David Smith was crowned the champion a couple weeks back of our picks for the 2023 <laughs> now into 24 season. But uh, final pick of the game, I mean, who you got? Who you got on Sunday? You know, I had normally each week, with very few exceptions, I'll have this written down as I do this prep for the show well, before I even go to bed on Monday. Most times I do that. The only time I didn't do that is when you and I flipped during the playoffs where I had you make your pick and then I would respond kind of see how it goes. So normally I would have it as of 745, I still didn't know who I was going to go with. But when I look at these numbers and I look at the season, I watch the playoff games more of it than most. I feel like when it comes down to it, is there going to be a quarterback that's going to have to make a play when everything else isn't going its way? Who's going to make fewer mistakes when it comes down to that? I feel like I want to go with the Chiefs, but I'm not going to take the Chiefs. I think the Niners will win this Super Bowl. I've got 31-28 Niners. I believe it's going to come down to the fourth quarter, like most of these games. My concern in making that pick, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Niners' defensive ability to stop Mahomes. Mahomes. I really feel like he's going to end up making a play. I'm going to live to regret it. I'm going to go 31-28 Niners. Who do you like, and how, what kind of score do you like, by the way, Rick? Who do you like? Uh, I think the Chiefs will win. I think they've got several advantages, one that we've already discussed. But anyway, uh, I think uh, <laughs> the fact they've been to Vegas before, it's part of their tour every year in the AFC West. They got all that down, the atmosphere. Um, Patrick Mahomes, yes, if it comes down to two quarterbacks and it's the final drive, I mean, who are you going to take? Come on, the guy's got a chance to cement his legacy with Tom Brady forever after Sunday. I don't think that people pay enough. You do, but I'm talking about the pundits don't pay attention to uh, the Chiefs running game and how viable that is. And I think the Detroit Lions exposed the San Francisco 49ers. They ran and ran and ran. And Andy Reid, you better believe Andy Reid, it took note. So I think Pacheco has a big day. Nobody's going to be able to guard 87. I I think the Chiefs win. I don't think it's that close. I think the Chiefs win Mm -hmm. by – I'm going to give the Chiefs a 34-24 victory on Sunday, something like that. Well, I, one thing about what you're saying that makes a ton of sense, This and again, it, it flies in the face of my pick, but we'll take a flyer. Here's the deal. The Chiefs' defense, this might be the most complete defense that Mahomes has had it is. in his career. And it couldn't have been at a better time where his offense may not have been. That's right. That Tyreek Hill, super electric. That's right. He can make plays and sling the ball all over the field as they did in the Baltimore game. And, of course, even as bad as Baltimore played, we talked about it. It was still only a 17-10 to 10 win where they held the Chiefs in check for the second half. But it was the Chiefs' defense that kept Lamar in that offense even though Lamar and that offense gave him a gift by deciding not to run the football. But you listen, this time of year, it's one game. It's not a game seven, seven game series thing. You got to make adjustments on the fly. And that's why they give these NFL champions these big old rings for coming through it all. So don't make any apologies for winning uh, playoff games, and particularly the Chiefs, who had to win three playoff games this year, including one in minus four degree temperature against my Dolphins at home. Then they had to go on the road at Buffalo and win on a Monday, I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it wasn't that game on a Monday. But nonetheless, they had to win two games on the road at Buffalo and at Baltimore. So they right. earned this right. And uh, even though I'm sounding like I'm going to switch my pick to the Chiefs, <laughs> I will not. <laughs> I will stay with the Niners because my brother and brother-in-law are Niners fans. And I just kind of I kind of tend to want to take it this way. Maybe the, the Niners defense and Steve Wilk, boy, their defense better play better because against Detroit in the first half, 
they did not look like the best version of themselves. And so we will see how it all will play out on Sunday. Yeah, and, and that was another point you, you made. I was going to make you right. The win in Buffalo, the win in Baltimore. I mean, come on. Uh, if you can do that, you're going to win mm-hmm. on a neutral field, I think, in a field that you – well, not the same exact field, but the same – place that you've already played and by the way two legacies are going to be on the line here right Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes forever now you won't be able just to mention Tom Brady you have to put Mahomes up there forever or Kyle Shanahan once again unable to win the big one so right you got legacies on each side of the equation at stake on Sunday you have and and not to mention if Mahomes wins this you start to get into that three Super Bowl oh he is that'll be that'll be more than Eli Manning more than Peyton Manning more than Big Ben so you start to move into that level now between uh, up next will be the four where you get to the Terry Bradshaw absolutely absolutely so now you're starting to get out of that one and two you know the Flacco's and the Trent Dilfer's and, and and the Brad Johnson's who's got the one he's out of that he's got the two now you start to get into rarefied air when you start creeping between that two and four. As for some, for, for whatever reason, we want to give quarterbacks these rings as staples in their career. Patrick Mahomes doesn't need another one, but it sure won't hurt to no. be able to stack them no. up anyway. Absolutely. It sure won't hurt. Agreed. 100%. Agreed. All right, brother. Listen, have a great week, man, and uh, we will talk again next week. We'll see how it all goes on Sunday. You got it, Rick. We'll see you next week, brother. All right. There you go. That's David Smith, our NFL correspondent. We are back to send it to the bottom of the hour after this. The laws around marijuana in Virginia have changed. But one thing that will never change is that it's illegal to drive under the influence. If you get high, don't get behind the wheel. Otherwise, you're putting yourself and others in danger, and you risk getting a DUI. Don't drive high. Because here in Virginia, sober drives save lives brought to you by the virginia cannabis control authority learn more at cca.virginia.gov now i want to go see some monster trucks We're headed to the uh, bottom of the hour here on the program. Great stuff there from uh, David Smith. He's got the Niners. I got the Chiefs for a myriad of reasons. (laughs) I think the Chiefs are going to win. And we'll have our final segment. We come back. More of your text messages at 744-2990. Or you can call us up on the Baker Team Hotline, 639-4900. As we've been uh, paying tribute to Toby Keith, who um, lost his battle with cancer Last night, died peacefully at his home, and uh, 62 years old, man. Just uh, sad. Very, very sad. All right, we'll be back. Stay with us. Final segment on a Tuesday.
I'm back. 25 minutes for the top of the hour. 639-4900 is the Baker Team Hotline. Text line 744-2990. want to thank all of our wonderful array of guests. Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, David Smith. Great stuff. Tomorrow we know we'll have Ken Brown, Bill Roth, maybe some other stuff. We're going to have John Zeitz in from Radford University. Uh, today we start the uh, big athletics fundraising campaign, RAD48. Check it out on our social media, on our website, as we try to have two days' worth of uh, giving and gifts to help our student-athletes, especially in this day and age. It's mightily important. So that launches today at noon. So if you can and you have the desire, please help out our young people at Radford University. All right, I'm not trying to be a downer about the whole Super Bowl. I just, I'm sorry. I, look, I want you to enjoy it, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say verbatim the thing is predetermined, but I, I just, I don't have a lot of faith that everything is legitimate. I'm sorry. The league does not give me the confidence that, that they care about the legitimacy of things because of the way they continue to ignore their hard officiating. And when there is a, a release that comes out, prior to the Super Bowl that the whole Taylor Swift connection has made them over $330 million and they estimate that it could approach nearly three quarters of a billion dollars if they win. And then you get this story where all-time money going to be put on this Super Bowl. $23.1 billion are expected to be bet on this Super Bowl. Again, that's a B, billion, 23-plus billion dollars. They're estimating that nearly 70 million adults, 26% of the adult population of the United States, could combine to bet $23.1 billion on Super Bowl 58. How about that? Both figures, the number of betters, and the amount wagered are up significantly from last year's survey. They surveyed 2,204 adults, by the way, to get these estimations. Yeah, it's a lot, huh? The AGA, the American Gaming Association, is the one who put forth this polling. The quote here from... AGA president and CEO Bill Miller. As the Super Bowl comes to Vegas for the first time, this year's record interest in wagering marks a full circle moment for the U.S. gaming industry. Our priority remains getting this opportunity right by providing the consumer protections only a regulated market can guarantee and investing in responsible gambling tools, safeguards, and education crazy more than 300 billion dollars has been bet with american sports books since a 2018 ruling by the u.s supreme court jump-started the spread of legal wagering 38 states the district of columbia and puerto rico now offer regulated betting and commercials for sports books during sporting events have become the norm which we've talked about a whole lot here on the program so, yeah, yeah, it is 
what it is, to say the least. So, we will see um, how this all plays out going forward, but this just adds more to my skepticism. I got to be honest, I, I don't think Roger Goodell, I don't think the league cares. I, I just I just don't think the league cares. Their perception of their league doesn't matter. They basically told you, the consumer of the sport, and me, that they don't care what you think about the officials or the controversies. I mean, it happened last year, right? The call that was made late when the whole game had been officiated a certain way and the holding call gave the Chiefs the win. Um, They're unapologetic. They almost uh, unabashedly. almost in defiance of anyone who challenges anything about what they do because they are going to have record ratings and they're going to charge record rates. And as long as that keeps happening, nothing is going to change. College sports change because finally somebody fought back against the system, the student-athlete, right, to create the NIL and the freedom of movement with the portal because it was – a ridiculous system that was in place before. NFL doesn't have really anybody who's going to stand up and 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 challenge them because, you know, you think about $23 billion being bet on the Super Bowl, the NFL is going to clear that in profit after they announce their numbers in conclusion of this 2023 season after the Super Bowl. It's the only thing that matters to them. I mean, they're putting more games overseas. They're putting games in streaming services. they got a Friday night game, opening week now they announced, what the Eagles are going to play. They're changing all the norms around because they're just trying to suck up as much revenue as they can. And from their perspective, it's extremely smart. They're doing what any nice, well-organized business is going to do to continue to profit. But... um, I think from a fan's perspective, it, it definitely has taken away a lot. It's taken away a lot from me. I, you know, I don't sit here and say that the Chiefs are there primarily because of everything that's going on with the whole sideshow of Taylor Swift and all, but they did go in and win two road games in the playoffs that they weren't expected to win. They were underdogs in both. Now they're going to the Super Bowl, and I think they're going to win the game, and I know the NFL really enjoys – that whole thing, that whole connection, they do. I mean, they can deny it all they want, but they, they put it on their Twitter account several times, her being up there. So, I just, you know, I, I'm sitting here, we're now, what, five days, six days away from the game, and I really have no <laughs> no interest in the game. I I'll be getting back late on uh, Saturday night from Clinton, South Carolina. Radford's basketball teams play a doubleheader down at Presbyterian. And, you know, I don't know if I'm going to care. You know, 
That's just me, though. You can feel any way you want about it. I, I just, I don't have Super Bowl parties anyway. You know, I'm not that guy. I'm not Super Bowl party guy. I don't, I just, I, you know, the Chiefs, they win it again, they win it again. It becomes like a, a Patriot type of thing. You know, we all got tired of that. It's what it feels like again. And the sideshow, CBS is going to play into the sideshow the entire game. It, it's just, they're broadening their market because it's the smart thing to do from a financial standpoint, but I think more dedicated, hardcore, lifer football fans like me, and maybe you, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, are probably looking at it much differently, right, than we used to. Same thing with college sports. You're having to come to a new acceptance of the way business is being done. College football. And you're still going to support it, but you're going to feel a little different about it. It just happens. So, as we adjust, I guess, just like when you see the games adjust, right, with rule changes and equipment modifications, whatever it might be, and how games are officiated, you have to adjust as fans to all the big money that's involved changing the entire landscape of it. It's just part of it. And then it becomes up to you and me about our fanship and and how much we adjust it. Right? So, that's where I'm at at with it. I have zero excitement for the game. I'm just going to flat out tell you, I don't, I mean, I'm sure I'll tune in, I'll check on it, but... I, in other words, I sit here wondering how much controversy is going to come out of it because how quickly will we see a Twitter thread go across because of a call that was or wasn't made, <laughs> right? And that's what happened last year at the end of that game. But the overshadowing of the fact the Chiefs won again was that holding call at the end that had been ignored the whole game. Nobody was ever arguing whether or not it was a hole. They were arguing, why call it then when you let it go, when they were singling out so many incidents when it didn't happen? And I think that overshadowed the whole result of it. Now, Chiefs fan, they don't care. They're just celebrating. Hey, we got another one. If you win, you're on the winning end of it. You're not going to worry about those other things. But the league's response then was basically nothing. And... I'm just wondering if there's going to be something that pops up Sunday as well that kind of overshadows it for a lot of people. But um, I don't know. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, I, I'm i not trying to dictate whether you feel a certain way about it or not, but, I mean, you know, I just I have my, I have my skepticism. Let's just, you know, I think today's day and age with what you get fed from, well, clearly from the mainstream media, which is, all pandering and lies for the most part. I mean, you kind of have to take things with a grain of salt. Don't just buy into everything because you're being lied to. And sometimes I think the NFL is just by not responding or not reacting and not trying to solve its problems with their officials, I think you're just being lied to. So, I, you know, I don't know. 
I don't know. I hate to feel this way. I mean, I, I don't like to feel this way. I don't want to be jaded. <laughs> I don't. But I am. I am. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's this great, you know, back and forth, controversial, free game, you know. I hope that it'd be nice to see the 49ers win it just because I hate the Chiefs, because I'm a Broncos fan. But if Pat Mahomes wins it, he's going to be up there now with Tom Brady. I mean, he's been to six straight championship games. Get his third ring already. I mean, come on. You know, and I hope it's that kind of thing, but I won't watch any of the pregame. They'll start their coverage. The game's, what, a little after six-ish, closer to seven now, so they'll start their pregame about, what, one, if not earlier? People are going to turn the Taylor Swift either shots of the crowd or references into drinking games, I'm sure. It's that same network, by the way, airs and controls the Grammys. Of course, she cleaned up at the Grammys. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Leading into Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> See? Even conspiracy theories about worthless music awards. That's where I'm at right now. And I don't like feeling this way, but it is what it is. The system needs to change. You don't choose to feel this way, but when you have so much evidence thrown at you, or at least circumstantial, say it this way, so much circumstantial evidence thrown at you, and I just read you all the betting numbers that are going to be thrown at the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. Nothing to see here. Everything's fine. $23 billion going to be bet on this game. Eh. There won't be anything to keep an eye on. Nah. But we shall see. We'll see how it all plays out. That's why you're not going to get a lot of Super Bowl talk from me this week. (laughs) Focused in on uh, February college hoops. Spring training and baseball gets started soon. College baseball gets started soon. I mean, uh, it's right around the corner. So that's kind of where my segue is leading right now. But um, any event, that's my thoughts on that. And you might feel differently. And look, that's perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. But I've heard from a lot of you. You're kind of wondering like me. You have to wonder anyway. All we want is our sports to be legitimate. We can adjust everything else as long as we think it's legitimate, right? We'll be back to wrap up the show after this. Rick, it's great, and it's great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, we're back to uh, wrap up the uh, Tuesday program. Good stuff today. Thanks again to uh, Mike Burnham. 
Jermaine Farrell, David Smith, Keon Brown, Lamar, Bill Roth, John Zeitz going to be in here. We're going to talk more about the uh, Rad 48. It's Radford Athletics um, giving for the next 48 hours starting today at noon through Thursday at noon. You can check out all the Radford social media from campus to athletics and uh, lots of testimonials from our coaches and our players and um, young people that are just saying, look, we, we need to have a as much of a fair playing field as we can, so we need your help. So John will come on tomorrow and give us a, a mid a mid Rad 48 report and uh, let you know how easy it is to contribute. So that'll be tomorrow as well. And I'm trying to run down uh, David Teal. I want to get that. He was there watching that UVA performance. I mean, Cavaliers last night held Miami to 38 points. Put that in perspective. We think they were averaging 81, and they put up 56 in one half against Tech on Saturday. 38 points in a college basketball game. I mean, I I don't blame Jim Laranega for not wanting to talk to the media after that one. I would have a tough time coming to the podium and trying to orate my thoughts as well. I mean, that's that shows you UVA now has gotten over whatever it was that was happening, and now here they are, boom. Here's a Tony Bennett team doing what it does this time of year, and uh, they're heading into – Middle of February, coming up in a week uh, with the right mindset and with the uh, the right performances. So those three teams, I think, Carolina, Duke, Virginia, won't be any question about them being in the tournament. I want to talk to David about that as well. How many more might join them if we get able to uh, round him up tomorrow? Everybody take care. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we slide over the hump on Wednesday. Center for. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.